Welcome to the Mighty Mindset Podcast. Every week we come out with a short, straight-to-the-point episode and talk about different topics to help you transform your life and mindset in a powerful, positive way. I'm your host, Ari, and if you haven't done so already, please be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast episode. Today's Mighty Mindset episode starts now. What's up and welcome back to today's episode of the Mighty Mindset. In our last episode, I had clinical nutritionist Christina D'Amico with me and we touched on the importance behind finding our why when it comes to our overall health and wellness. If you missed it, be sure to check it out for some really powerful tips and tricks to help you get healthy and more importantly, stay healthy. Today we're going to touch on a topic that I believe all of us deal with at one time or another and a topic that we all might be facing collectively right now. So today's relevant and universal topic is trauma. Even though, like you, I have been through my own personal trauma experiences, I am not a professional on the topic by any means. But I do have Grace Ashline with me today to go over trauma, what it means, and how it can correlate to our lives and mindset. Grace is a social worker, writer, professor, and supervisor of two human services programs at Herkimer College. She currently resides in central New York with her three children and has 20 years of diverse experience working in the field of human services. Grace also has direct experience speaking to colleges and professionals about prevention programming, mental wellness, and trauma-informed approaches. Grace is passionate and hopes to take away the shame associated with the topic of trauma. So Grace, how are you today? Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. I'm so happy to have you. So Grace is actually a former professor of mine, and I told her recently that I'm guilty of not remembering much of the content that was taught in her class, <laughs> but... Her authenticity left a huge, huge impact on my life at the time. So it really is a pleasure to have you on today to kind of let your knowledge and passion on collective trauma shine through to our listeners. So I will pass the torch off to you so you can talk all things collective trauma. Well, let me, let me just reciprocate that by saying, you know, when you're privileged to be in a teaching profession, there are certain students just like we like to say with our children, we don't have favorites, but that's not true. There's certain days we really do have our favorites. <laughs> that it is of no um, surprise to me that you are not only an entrepreneur and successful as I knew you would be, but that I have such a deep and profound appreciation that you're bringing awareness to the dimensions of a healthy mindset because it is so critical. It was critical before what we're all experiencing, but it is going to continue to be a critical conversation. What are we, uh, what are we going to cover today? Cause I'm kind of letting you take the reins on this yeah. one. So, well, first of all, I want to, and I'm sure you would echo this um, and you're included in part of this, but I want to just for any of the listeners, take a moment to really thank the first responders, the essential workers, and really even the families who are really dedicating selfless sacrifice and just tiresome dedication, um, which I feel is nothing short of heroic. And I feel as if you providing this platform and today's topic, I hope and believe is something that will validate 
and really help listeners um, hear that a lot of what they're experiencing is not unique um, and is not something that is not shared among the larger community. Um, so I did want to take an opportunity to just thank for any of our listeners who are in that category. Um, I know that, you know, I really think that what they're doing is heroic. So I'm really grateful to talk about the topic at this particular time, because I think while I'm excited that trauma is becoming more of a conversational topic, people, um, it still is very much for lack of a better word, like quarantined. It's kind of like a silent prison that people are afraid to kind of learn more about, talk about. Don't you agree? Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's almost uh, a shameful topic at times. Yeah. And it shouldn't be because it's, you know, that's why I feel like this particular time period is so important because, you know, the issue of trauma was already prevalent in a pandemic before this happened. Mm -hmm. And now what's happening is what we're referring to as a collective trauma. And so for our listeners, what I think that, you know, before talking about what trauma is, I think that what's really important for us as a community to recognize with what's going on right now with COVID-19 is that, you know, while the topic is starting to become more popular, it's still really highly misperceived and sorely misunderstood. And people are not always aware that people are going through a traumatic experience because they don't know what to look for. They don't know what to look for in themselves. They don't know what to look for in their loved ones, and they don't know what to look for in the community. So I wanted to start off with just kind of talking about what trauma is and then, you know, kind of segue into what collective trauma is, because I know a lot of people are interested in what that is. So what's kind of interesting is the word trauma itself actually was originated from Greece, and it means wound, which I find to be so powerful. Put trauma is defined as a response to a really disturbing or distressing solitary or chronic event or circumstance. So we usually categorize that by ways of stress. So there's three different categories that we will determine a traumatic event. And one of that is acute, which means that it usually is happening during a shorter period of time. So a good example of this might be unemployment for maybe two months. It's a traumatic event, right? You're disrupting your job, your finances, your livelihood. Yeah. But then, you know, you're, 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 you've now regained employment. So now it's kind of passed. Episodic stress is where you're going through episodes of stress and um, it's repeated stress of either uh, stressful events or circumstances, but it tends to seize. It goes in cycles. So it, it may have periods where it stops and then it happens again, it stops, and then it happens again. And then the most common form that most people will recognize and they'll hear about is emotional or psychological stress that's associated with what we refer to as chronic stress, meaning people who are chronically in a state of um, accumulated stress. And this tends to be the most dangerous mm -hmm. and unhealthy of all of the categories for trauma, because these are some of our folks who are um, in domestic violence, children who have experienced chronic abuse. Um, it could be people who are going through a divorce. It can be periods of people right now who are going through loss of jobs. Their partners are essential workers. They don't know what's coming in. 
we're right now in a political climate where, you know, everybody is feeling that chronic stress of like, what's going to happen every day is different. So one of the things that I really encourage the audience for, if they're interested in learning more about it, um, is there's a renowned contributor to the issue of wellness and trauma. Um, his name is Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, and he, is, he wrote the best-selling book, The Body Keeps Score. And this is something I've been recommending to anybody who's been coming to me, whether it's students or families in need or crisis. I've even had to refer to it myself um, because he talks about, and all of us can relate to this, about how we go through traumatic experiences and it's like having residue and toxins just left in your body and how we as human beings, we don't always know that the body is keeping score and inventory and cataloging all of these symptomatic responses to trauma before we intellectually are even aware of what the hell it is, right? <laughs> Have you ever gone through that? Absolutely. Yeah, where we go through these moments and we're like, my gosh, you know, where'd that pain come from? Or I'm really tired today. And it's like, then, you know, it takes a friend or somebody else to go, um, are you forgetting you just suffered a traumatic event? <laughs> Your body's tired. It's, it's, it's checking out. So, you know, um, he really talks about that and, and talks about how dangerous it can become if we really um, disassociate our bodies and the symptomatic responses to trauma to our intellectual reasoning with how we grapple with that. And it's such a powerful I think, um, source of knowledge for people to really absorb that because it's so true. And you know this in your profession where, you know, your body keeps score if you're not keeping up with your routines right. or your, and you can speak to that, right? Absolutely. And you know what? It's funny because I was actually just thinking about this today. I'm very much a creature of habit and I love rhythm. So I have rhythm in my life daily. And, um, you know, working out is part of that rhythm for me. And even now for me, I've gone from working out six days a week and I've actually like brought it back to like three or four days a week. And for some, for some listeners, they're like, well, that's still good. But for me, that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my body telling me like, Hey, Ari, you know, slow down a little bit. <laughs> and yes. uh, it's the body does keep score. Yeah, it really does. And for people who are right now experiencing where they're like, gosh, I just feel such fatigue or yeah. I have no motivation to get up or the parents who are like, gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to homeschool. It's because your body is responding normally to an abnormal event. This is right. not a normal event. So people make that disconnect and they're not quite sure of it. So I just wanted to mention that just for folks who said, you know, God, I've heard of what trauma is, but like, what is it? What are the types? Because that'll kind of lead us into what we're currently dealing with, which is this pandemic with COVID-19 and what we refer to as collective trauma. And so collective trauma really refers to psychological reactions to a traumatic event that's affecting an entire society. That's what a collective trauma means. It's not on an individual level. It's not on just a familial level. It's on the whole society is impacted by it. And so this is where a lot of people, and I know even for myself, where they're going through what we refer to as the grieving stages. 
you know, right? Remember when COVID, I remember this is so embarrassing to your listeners are going to say, eradicate all of her credentials because <laughs> I, rem- I, I try to not watch the news as part of my daily mindset because yep. otherwise I get so consumed by the negativity. It'll just like drive me into a depression. But, um, I remember somebody saying like, yeah, you're hearing about what's happening in China. I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? I, I, I'm always the last to know these things. I swear, you know, I'm going into work one day and I'm like, hi everybody. You know, and they're like, are you hearing that? You know, people are dying. I'm like dying of what, what's going, you know, I, I had two full weeks of just, I was in denial and shock of like, I didn't even know what was happening in our country. And please don't let that, your listeners are going to, all my credibility's out the window now, but I really, <laughs> I really went to work on a Friday. I remember, and they said, pack your stuff. You're going out. I said, for what? They're like, we're, we're, the country's on a shutdown. And I said, a shutdown. So then, you know, I went through this whole stages of the first two weeks of like denial. This is not really occurring. Like, you mean, I'm not going to see my students again. What does this mean? Are they not graduating? Mm-hmm. Are you telling me I have to homeschool my three children? I didn't want to be a homeschooler. I didn't ask to be a homeschooler and I don't want to be a homeschooler now. Um, and then I went through my stages of anger. And have you experienced that as a business owner of just like, this sucks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even reverting back a little bit uh, to the the first stage, it's like, at first, it seems that when this first happened, collectively, as a community, we all kind of really came together for the first week or two. And it sure. seemed like very positive. And then I think things almost started to kind of sink in for people. And I noticed the motivation kind of tapered off a little bit. And I think things started to kind of settle in for people. But to go back to your question um, about the anger phase, you know, as a business owner, I think the anger came from almost not having the power of choice. And that's where I think my anger really stemmed from was having that power of choice taken away from me, not only as a business owner, but even now as, um, you know, just a citizen and wanting to go out without a mask on. I mean, this morning I went to the store and I had to come back home to get a t-shirt just to put something over my face uh, to go into the store. And that's just very bizarre. We're not used to that. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think just the lack of having a choice might be Absolutely. And that's actually, you know, what's funny about that um, is, you know, when we, when we think about, you know, whenever something is happening, you know, we as human beings have innate need to feel a sense of security, safety, and control. And for those who have ever suffered trauma, and for myself, I I hate using the word survivor because I feel that trauma is fluid. We go through our cycles and seasons of how we deal with our trauma. You know, it is is so um, necessary to shed light on the fact that we, what this has happened is exactly what you said. We are having to surrender to a lack of control that goes against everything that we as human beings rely on control, predictability, stability, um, safety. And it's been taken and ripped out from under us without our consent. And we're having to surrender that over. And that is such a part of grief 
but it's also really relevant for collective trauma because everybody is collectively having to do that, where they're having to say, we don't know when our unemployment's going to come in. We don't know if our businesses are going to make it. We don't know, will we be homeschooling for the next year and a half? Will we be wearing masks and that's going to become the new norm so that our economy boosts up? Like there's so many unpredictable factors that really relate to that grieving and, you know, how we're dealing with that. Um, and I think that part of what I, you know, I want to shed light on too is I think that, you know, our safety is so much wrapped in a sense of control that, you know, I think that we tend to as in our normal, whatever normal is, uh, we project how we feel things should be. And then when all of that is disrupted, I, I refer to it as like an emotional earthquake. Like all of a sudden you're seeing everything that you know, that you are familiar with. It's just coming off the shelves. It's coming up from under your feet and you're just like, what is going on? And that's what this has felt like for, for everybody around the world and internationally is just, you know, feeling like, you know, it's shaking our sense of predictability. It's shaking our sense of stability. And that really can have a tremendous consequential impact on how we mentally construct what that new norm in life looks like. You know, whether it's the masks, like you said, or me, where I'm still angry that I have to homeschool three kids. I'm angry about it. I don't want to do it. So yeah, so if I can, I want to just talk about some of the symptoms that have to do with collective trauma. Because for the audience, I think it's important to hopefully shed light on for some people who might be going, my God, I'm experiencing that. But I had no idea that, yeah, I'm going through a traumatic, symptomatic response. Um, Some people will have like real psychological and physiological responses to trauma. That's just a common indicator of trauma. But some symptoms that people are going through emotionally wise are what I call cycling where they're going through periods of irritability. They're irritable and they're just, for any parents out there, they're short fused. Um, Then they're going through periods where they're sad. Or as you referenced Ari in the beginning, I get it. I was one of those parents doing the, be a rainbow. We pray for everybody. And by the third week with everybody stopping at my house, I'm like, I don't want to be the rainbow. I don't want to be the rainbow. I'm like, you know, I'm talking to my mother and I'm like, mom, everybody's stopping in front of my house. And she goes, Grace, it's, could it be you have artwork all over? They're looking at the window (laughs) because I too was going through that. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to show the community. We're going to be a rainbow. We're going to, and then I was going through my periods of just like, I cry for no reason. And I'm going, why am I crying? It's laundry. I mean, what is really, what's really happening? (laughs) Um, you know, but then some people are also going through the cycle of like sadness or they feel hopeless. Like, what does this mean? You know, what does this mean for my essential spouse or partner when they're coming in and out of house? You know, what does this mean when my child isn't going to school? What does this mean for, you know, our finances? Um, I can share a funny story. Hopefully if for any folks, please um, comment below or give feedback if you feel the pain. Go, and you must know this too as a business owner that going to the grocery store is now traumatic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to pick out a strawberry that I have to then wash 10 times. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point that you bring up. It's it's the 
the things that we're used to doing are are totally abnormal now. I mean, like I said, I went to the store today and I had to go back home because I forgot that a face covering was mandatory. Mm-hmm. And to walk through a store today to see everybody having a face covering on, it's it's these small changes that are just adding up over time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like we constantly are adjusting right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's really no break from it. And, uh, you know, just to our listeners, I do understand the severity of the virus. I do understand that we do need to wear a face mask right now. And I'm totally not um, against that at all. It's just um, the the adjustment period is the frustrating part, I think, Mm -hmm. for me and for a lot of people. Well, think too, and it's not just the purpose of the mask. It's what the mask represents when people are visually seeing our community. It's a constant traumatic trigger. Right. Of what is occurring when you're, what would normally be maybe a grocery store visit and you got your, your, you know, your earphones on for parents. It's like, yay, without the kids, you know, um, that now you're inundated with constant reminders. And that's why I said for folks who have experienced trauma at all, um, this is a hypervigilant place where now they are reminded we're not safe. See, look at that hyperactivity, the hypervigilance of feeling like I'm triggered here, I'm triggered there. So it's not that you're downplaying the mask. It's the mask is a symbol of something that's constantly reminding us of a reality we didn't consent to. That's really, really challenging. And so for other folks too, some of the physical symptoms of collective trauma um, that people are experiencing is like, you know, and I'm hearing this all the time from students or for families Um, and even from friends and loved ones that, you know, they're having chronic headaches, they can't sleep, they're how they're having, you know, um, bowel disruptions, Um, they can't eat or they're overeating. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that when this is all said and done, as I mentioned earlier, that things like addiction and suicide and mental health are going to be at an all time high. And that's not to shed a negative light, it's to validate that people are developing physical symptomatic responses that are also maladaptive and unhealthy. They're not doing it intentionally. They're doing it because they don't know how to cope. Um, And so, you know, then people having problems concentrating. So whether it's children or adults, you know, concentrating on how do I get the noise out when I'm constantly triggered by the news, 11 o'clock briefings, what's going to happen next? Children who are seeing their parents going through anxiety and snapping. And, you know, I've gone through many of those periods where I've had to go to the kids and go, mommy needs a timeout. (laughs) You all need a timeout. I need a timeout. I get it. You know, so, you know, we're having all of these um, physical responses too, that are just typical to a traumatic event. So, you know, with that said, I also want to say, um, that I also think that when you're going through collective trauma, it also has two common and profound effects, which is it impacts our interpersonal relationships because how we cope with a traumatic experience. And again, based on, you know, the collective trauma and where we're at with distancing and isolation, it, some people respond to that differently, just like we respond to grief and loss or, you know, suffering differently. Some people are withdrawing. Some people are just completely checking out, you know, and saying, I'm just going to hide in my bedroom and just vegetate because I don't know how to cope with what's happening. 
Right. Um, some people are being forced where things that wouldn't be at the surface are coming up like a tidal wave and we're like, whoa, didn't know that this much time together was going to cause all this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you bring that up. I don't mean to cut you off mid no, please mid don't. thought here. Um, I'm actually reading a book called 12 Rules for Life. And I actually just read a part where he talks about a traumatic experience. And when we, you can agree or disagree, mm-hmm. um, when we go through a traumatic experience, it's almost like we're hitting the brake and the accelerator at the same time. And sometimes we're either going to stop completely and totally withdraw, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. we're going to go the opposite direction and, you know, totally just let our feelings out and everything's going to surface. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, I try to stay off of social media and Facebook as much as I can, but it's, I do notice that it's one way or the other, even on there. Yeah, no, even that's a really great point because I also think of it from a culturally, from a culturally sensitive perspective, you know, how we respond to trauma and the events that are happening around us is also rooted in intergenerational trauma what did our parents teach us about having the conversation to accelerate or break at the same time? Right. Um, what are our networks modeling with how we do that? Again, going back to the maladaptive coping mechanisms, I mean, it's becoming fun to sit there and say, let's do Netflix house parties while we're all getting blasted. Now, is there judgment? No. It's, but it's, it's that, you know, cultural response of, are they really acknowledging the hard and what's going on? Have they been taught and encouraged to communicate that? Most people haven't. Um, And I think that that's not just from a cultural perspective. I think it's a societal perspective where even before this, we were hiding behind the screens of silhouettes of like perfection and what you put out there. And, you know, nobody's having a conversation anymore. And then now we're even more isolated Right. So that break, that's a great metaphor of like, you know, some people are doing the accelerated, they're accelerating and they're, they're breaking at the same time. Yeah. And I think that that's based on, you know, people, what they're modeling, what they've been taught intergenerationally, mm-hmm. you know, what they're doing. So that's a really um, great point. That's a good point. I wanted to say that, you know, I do want to talk about, you know, some of the, I'm hoping, um, with kind of shifting gears a little bit, when we talk about collective trauma, it can sound so doom and gloom. And I know that a lot of people are feeling that way and it's justified. It is, um, unquestionably, undoubtedly valid for people to be feeling that. And I encourage people to feel that. I feel like sometimes people want to skip waves of grief and suffering because it's too hard. It's too hard to sit in it. So we become distracted, we disassociate, we avoid, um, we do all those things. And I'm saying to folks, you know, and I hope to to the listeners, allow yourself time because it's only been a month since the whole world has been in upheaval. And so, you know, when we talk about um, collective trauma, one of the things that I really feel really strongly about, and I know that you can definitely speak on this topic is what I refer to as wellness relapse, where everything that was normal or in our barometer for wellness, which is so individualistic for everybody you were referring to, like for you, your workout was part of your wellness plan. Right. And now that's been reduced and your body 
is letting you know, guess what? You may want to intellectually work out every day, but my body needs rest. Um, But, you know, this really is for a lot of folks, it's causing a wellness relapse where, you know, they're not maybe exercising or they're overeating or the goals that they set out. Think of us for us in central New York or for anybody in New York, this is usually the time where we're like, yay, we're not quarantined from snow. Right. And now it's like, Nope. The three month, three good months we get out of the year, we're stuck in the house again before the next round of snow comes in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you must hear that too, right? Of people just relapsing from their own wellness. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't mean to revert back to myself, but it, it's, mm-hmm. I see it very much in myself and, you know, even in uh, my wife is, you know, like you said, people are getting tired and, um, having headaches and seeing those physical responses. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's definitely across the board. Yeah, for sure. So I always say, you know, when, when, you know, how it relates to collective traumas, you'll tend to see people collectively all going through the same stages of just kind of that relapse of where what was normal is now no longer normal. And now because of that, everything, that emotional earthquake is just drudged up everything and it's just kind of made people scattered and how they're coping with that. Right. Um, but with that said, um, you know, I do want to talk about, cause I think it's important about, you know, what I feel is profound and what's currently happening and how it can be a great opportunity and kind of a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I love about your platform and what you're doing is really focusing on the dimensions of a healthy mind because all of those dimensions are being hit, whether it's emotionally, psychologically, physiologically, socially, um, fi- financially, educationally, our employment, all the dimensions of our wellness are being hit at once in multiple directions. You take one of those domains of our wellness, and that's hard in and of itself. But people are having multiple parts of their domains being just completely ripped out from under them. And that piece definitely does impact our mindset and a healthy mindset. So one of the things that I feel like is really important um, for listeners is to try and shift what I'm referring to as a collective trauma to collective humanity. And what I mean by that is this is, a, this is an opportunity for us to, one, begin with kind of acknowledging where we're at, you know, and being self-aware of our ability to surrender to what we can't change but what's happening. And I think that acknowledgement really comes in, um, you know, the state, the grieving stages, uh, the fact that like we're so used to wanting everything to be predictable, wanting to know the what ifs, what's going to happen next week, the structure, the safety, the stability, and acknowledging where we're at in that. Are we in a place where we're stuck? Are we in a place where we're just stuck in the grief? Or are we in a place of empowerment? All of us are in different phases, but I think that being able to acknowledge that is such a part of being able to shift our mindset with that piece of it. Um, and I also think too, that, you know, it's, it's important to note that it's healthy to expect that you're going to cycle through that. You're going to have days where you're like, gosh, you know, I get it. This is happening. You know, and I've seen that in my circle. I don't know if you're hearing that in your circle where one minute people are like, you know, I think we're going to get through this in May. And then the next day they're like, I can't take it. 
I'm depressed. I'm <laughs> within 24 hours, you're talking to a totally different human being. Absolutely. It, you know? it changes quickly. It does. It does. Um, and then the second step is really granting permission. And this is where I want to defer to you because do you remember our conversation? Um, cause it so relates to the second step for listeners about you and I kind of going back and forth that one day. <laughs> Yeah, no. So, I mean, we were going back and forth for, well, it was a couple of days. And then one day you definitely called me out and I was, <laughs> I was so taken back. I was so grateful, but I was so taken back because, um, I'm usually the one doing that, you know, calling other people out. And, uh, when you said, you know, Hey, you know, you're looking a little overwhelmed. And I was like, wow, I am, you know, it's, and it, it gave me the moment to say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And I could kind of just accept it. And like you said, grant myself permission to just kind of be in that and, and let it go eventually instead of resisting it. So. Yeah. No, and I, it was funny because, um, you know, when we were going back and forth and I know that like the audience would relate to this, that, you know, we, whether it's for cultural reasons, personality reasons, or just our roles and our identities that we play in our life, you know, it's really important that we give ourselves permission during this time to feel whatever it is we're feeling. And I encourage people, because this is collectively happening to everybody, even if it's disproportionately so, which I want to talk about, um, that we acknowledge that what we're going through, everybody, there's not one solitary person who isn't impacted by what's happening. Not one, not one. So with that collective trauma, we've got to give ourselves permission, but give other people permission to feel whatever it is they're feeling. Because what happens, and this was happening before COVID-19, but I'm, I've even seen it um, on social platforms where people are doing the shaming, comparison, and blaming game where they're saying, well, you know what? You've got a spouse. Or you know what? You've got, you know, healthy children. Or you know what? You're not an essential worker. Or you know what? You've got paychecks coming in. So now what's happening is through the collective trauma, instead of giving each other permission to be where they're at and to really embrace and empathize, we're becoming apathetic. And, and, And it's becoming a we versus them mentality. And that has it worse almost. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that that's really dangerous. And I think it's counterproductive to what the opportunity can be to shift this me versus them, the separatism and the divisiveness, even as a country and say, you know what, how can we grant each other permission to say, we are all collectively going through a shared experience. It may look and appear differently or sound differently for everybody, but we're still going through it. And I think that would also shift a necessary um, reality where people were very self-absorbed with what was happening in their own lives. And now having to, you know, think outside of themselves and say, what are other people doing? How are they managing that? So that's part of the discussion that you and I had had where I remember saying, well, God, I don't know. Did you like that? But it was, (laughs) I, I think that we do, we have to come together and use this opportunity to ask, really ask people past the pleasantries. How are you doing? Because guess what? The reciprocity of that is somebody's probably dying for you to ask them. You know, when you go into the grocery store and you see that worker behind glass 
who's probably had somebody yell at them because they don't have toilet paper, ask them how they're doing because they're going through a collective trauma too every single day. You know, the, um, to give an example, I've got a senior who lives in my community and I'm watching him walk his dog. And, you know, one day I was out there, I think it was like trying to pick up the 18,000 Easter eggs that were then left all over that none of the kids picked up. That's always great. Um, well, of course though, this was from the Easter bunny to any of your listeners. (laughs) Um, but I, I, he walked past me and we've never said hello to one another. And I just said, Hey, you know, from a distance, of course, how are you doing? And you want to know what his response was? And I was shocked. I thought, how courageous. He said, not well. And I thought, wow, you know, I almost feel like he was waiting for the invitation for somebody to care and say, how are you doing? And gave him permission to say, me and my wife are alone. Our daughters live in different states. It's just me and my dog. Ha, 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 ha. You know, as a way to kind of divert his pain. And I think that this is an opportunity for us to really find compassion and sensitivity and connect to one another on a deeper level and not do it in a way where we're comparing, shaming, and blaming one another through our own individual suffering through it. I think that that's um, really important with that. Um, I know that for myself, I've had periods, I don't know about you, um, where I can say for myself, you know, as somebody who suffered, you know, trauma throughout my life, um, you know, trying to balance you know, my job and three small kids that, you know, I would have moments where I would feel bad about acknowledging, you know, the hard or what I call is just a suck. I hate to say it where I'm just like, it just sucks. There's no other way to put it. There's no fancy term. I could give you 8,000 theoretical terms that sound better, but that's the human response. It sucks. It's not fair. Um, And then I would find myself doing what we're all doing and saying, but at least I'm getting paid. At least my children are healthy, but then I'm, I'm excusing myself from not allowing myself to do what's going to help me get over the mindset and the healthy mindset hurdle to allow myself to feel it and then persevere past it. Have you gone through any of that too? I have. And, you know, for me, it, it kind of comes a little bit naturally to just kind of, I don't really know how to explain it, but if I, I face any sort of adversity or sadness, I try to almost take myself out of it immediately mm-hmm. and not really feel it. And I notice that as soon as I, I try to rip myself out of that, what's actually going on, it has an adverse effect throughout time. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, what you're saying is, you know, just being in that feeling and just not trying to talk yourself out of it too quickly. I think there's importance in, you know, getting yourself out of it eventually. Um, but giving yourself the permission to just feel it and not take away from what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people have been, I think just that comes with vulnerability. People are afraid to be vulnerable and say like, wow, I'm in, I'm feeling raw and naked in my emotion and I don't like it. And do if I share it, am I going to be judged? Am I going to, but this right now collectively is a great opportunity for people to shed that because it wasn't our stuff to own to begin with, but yet we've, it's just permeated through our culture, through our relationships, through our communities. Um, And so I really think that that's, that's another good step. The other one 
that I think is a great opportunity to kind of shift it to collective humanity is a new understanding of what I refer to as like disproportionate suffering, you know, where we can now look at each other and say, you know, that there are people who are suffering at different levels. However, you know, this is a great time to, you know, use each other's strengths and be able to cultivate that in one another. You know, you're doing it in the form of a podcast. I'm trying to do it in my ways through, you know, my career or things that I can do. Even people in the community who are doing, whether it's the bear hunts for kids or, you know, the TikTok funny videos, you know, this is a time for us to recognize that we're all suffering, but it is disproportionate. There are, there's no doubt that there's, you know, frontline workers who are having to face, you know, um, a public health crisis every day. So what can we do as a community to not, you know, preclude ourselves from it, but also kind of re-engage and help one another out. And I think that that's a great opportunity to make it a human response and not just a traumatic response. Um, So that was something that I wanted to touch on. Um, The other piece too is, you know, I think that we can, I think when collective trauma or any type of traumatic event happens, and specifically with what's unique about collective traumas, because everybody is impacted, we can make the choice to either fall back or show up. This is an opportunity to give compassion, learn self-compassion, but also giving the gift of compassion to other people to, instead of being apathetic and saying, eh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't impact me saying it impacts all of us right now and being empathetic to other people. I think being flexible, we're, we're having to learn to be flexible in ways that we never wanted to be. Um, mine was definitely many meltdowns over, well, I don't want to be an online teacher. And so I, darn it, I'm not going to learn it until they finally called and said, when are you going to get it set up? And I said, I don't feel like it. <laughs> I was in my resistance stage of, I don't want to be flexible. I didn't ask for this. I signed up to see my students in person. Um, but, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, you know, learn that we have to be amendable. We have to adapt. And again, the whole predictability of, you know, the stability and security that, all right, I'm aware, you know, I don't handle this well, but it's an opportunity for me to learn how to be more flexible and adaptable to the, some of those changes. And I also think just, at the bottom line of this all, this allows us to have an opportunity to have a shared experience that we can talk about and finally be honest. And I can't stress that enough. We show up in all of our lives, personally and professionally. We're in a culture of everything social media. It's all a silhouette. It's all a facade. It's all, you know, the great stuff. We're, we're not saying about when our marriage sucks. We're not saying when we hate parenting and we're like, why did I ever have three? You know, we're not, we're not showing like the, let me show you what I really look like when I wake up. Right. I think that this is an opportunity for people to show up and really be honest for the first time and shift the paradigm of this, this senseless. I don't know why we, we chose to, um, you know, enlist ourselves into this world of perfectionism that doesn't exist. And I think with this, what's happening right now is we're having to admit we are flawed, imperfect beings who need one another. And we need to vocalize that. I think people are just really thirsty for authenticity and they are starving for that connection Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, social media platforms are a great place to, you know, you don't have to be super personal, but Mm -hmm. I think it's a great avenue for people to really reconnect on a real level, not just Mm -hmm. showing, you know, the the facade, like you said. Um, And that gives us the sense of connection. Yes. Yes. So true. And I think that now more than ever, one of the things that I've been saying, and I really, really believe this to be true, we can be physically distanced, but we don't have to be emotionally and socially distanced. And that's where I think, you know, the shift of collective trauma to collective humanity is so, can be so profound if you look at it in a way and say, we were disconnected before this ever happened. We were isolating voluntarily in our own lives before this ever happened. Yeah. Here's an opportunity for us to now be grateful when you're seeing somebody at a store and you can say hello and not run because you're like, well, do they, you know, are they going to breathe on me? Are they going to cough on me? Are they, you know, or I think of this with my children where, you know, they want to go play with the neighbors. I, I, I bet you, I will be the first one to say, go play. I don't care about one ounce of homework. When all this is said and done, just be kids again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I just think that that, you're right, that people are really craving authenticity. And I think that just speaking as an educator, um, that even for students right now, where, you know, they were craving, you know, the connection within the classroom that's been ripped away, as you said, without consent and without, you know, a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really great opportunity for people to find new ways to connect that are authentic that are real, that are longstanding, and that really do build on the dimensions of wellness and a healthy mindset. I think this is, you know, it can be a great opportunity for that. And like you, you brought up a really good point. We were disconnected before this on a lot of different levels. And this is, you know, I've actually found myself talking to one of our customers today. And I said, you know, I've never been more grateful to just see another human. And It's, uh, it's, you know, you brought up a great point. I feel more, almost more connected now throughout this than I did before. And, um, you know, you just become more grateful and this is a great opportunity to, to be grateful for, for the things that we do have and for the connections that we do have. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think, you know, if people can start, you know, really validating, you know, what this means for them. And then just remembering that this is an opportunity to still connect on a different level. And I think that our country, our communities, our families, we as individuals, we're already craving that. And I think if anything, it's going to, it's going to create a profound um, appreciation for what connection really is for the human experience. Cause we weren't born to be detached. We weren't born to be isolated. You know, we come out of the womb needing that. So it's just an innate humanistic need that we all have. And I think maybe at the end of this, a way to shift it is to say, you know what, I'm going to do life differently now because I've seen what it's like on this end. It wasn't working before that. It's only amplified it. And next time I'm making different changes. And that's where I think that the shift for our wellness and a healthy mindset has an opportunity to grow. I really do. So, you know, to kind of sum sum up, what we've talked about, you know, we hit a lot of great points. You hit a lot of great points. And, uh, you know, I think our listeners are going to take a lot away from this to kind of wrap it up and 
give our listeners something to kind of feed off of, you know, what do you think that they could do to kind of help deal with, you know, any trauma that they might be facing right now? Like what are some things that you think would be helpful that they could do? Would it be, you know, trying to set some sort of rhythm in place or what do you think would be a good thing for them to really great, great, great question. And one that is coming daily, um, you know, of where I'm calling it. Um, I had a conversation with, with the Dean today and I just said, most of my work right now is just triaging mental wellness stuff. Yeah. So it's a really great question. So I, I, right now, what I will say, um, is there's sources like the mental health association of New York state, the national Alliance of mental illness. And I can provide to you Ari for online for any listeners who want that direct access what I can say that I'm happy about is we have in our state um, and throughout the country free mental health counseling that's available for people to access, free suicide hotline numbers. They're even now incorporating in pharmacies where they have a, a code that you can say to a pharmacist if you're in a domestic violence situation and they know what that code is to help get the police involved and, and make sure that people are safe. So there are avenues on that realm. In terms of um, daily, what I've said to people that I think is really helpful, and one of which that you posted on your site that I even read, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true, is the importance of keeping a routine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I laugh and joke with, with people and say, if I, even if I have to make sure that I showered, because I could easily just sit in my row, homeschool, you know, teach my eight classes, respond to the internet, you know, get lost in all of that and forget that. No, like a shower is necessary. (laughs) It's necessary for a lot of people, but I mean, but when you had mentioned that of like, keep a routine, you know, keep your routine in place, I think is such great. It's wonderful advice because it allows people to not get stuck. And then really when you're projecting ahead, when life does become more, whatever the new normal is, people are already adapting to what they've now become part of their ritualistic like pattern. And so I highly recommend that as well. I think, um, the other piece too, for people is whether they have an outlet. So for some people I've said, if you write, if you sing, if you love music, If it's a, I can share one that I'm doing for my own wellness is, you know, when my children are with their father for an overnight, I go out for a drive because just to get out and see scenic something through the windows other than the four walls of my home is part of my wellness of just being, you know, allowing myself to just kind of get out, listen to music, listen to, there's so many free resources with podcasts and audible books and, um, you know, just free resources out there to tap into. The other piece that I really think is important that I'm hearing a lot of people tap into is a different hobby, a something, you know, that you can get out, something that you've always wanted to do and try. Now I say this and I'm going to say it as real as Ari said in the intro that I can put it. Now, if you're like me, when I hear somebody say, pick up a hobby, I'm like, I'm lucky I can brush my teeth. So for any listeners who are like, listen, if Grace is asking us to start quilting, 
we're automatically just going to hit stop on this recording. <laughs> so I get for folks who can't do it because I'm one of them. I get you. But for folks who really are struggling with like, what do I do with my time? Or I'm lonely and I, I don't know what to do. You know, pick up something that you wouldn't have done before that's been on your bucket list and really just use this time as a gift to really figure that out. Um, the other, a couple other ones that I've said to people is write a gratitude journal. Do something every day when you wake up. Do affirmations. It sounds silly, but in our bathroom right now, um, my daughter picked up on it um, where somebody had, gave, had sent me a card and the top of the card says, you are brave, you are strong, you are loved. And I put it in the, the bathroom because one, I needed to hear that every day. I needed it to just know like, all right, you're strong you're brave, you're loved. And my daughter went in and she's like, you're strong, you're brave, you're loved. And I said, you know what? I said, I want you guys, yes, when you use the bathroom, say that to yourselves. Because sometimes we also, when we're talking about a healthy mindset, the negative scripts that can play in our head can overplay everything that we're doing physically to try and you know, overcome that. So I say to people, start off every day with an affirmation. It, it sounds silly, but look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm, you know, it's okay to be sad, or I'm a good mom, or I'm doing my best, or, um, you know, um, you know, I did something good today. I got up today, even if that's the goal. And then the gratitude journal, because I think sometimes when we're stuck in those cycles of grief and suffering, we forget to take inventory on like, what is happening? Do we have a roof over our head? You know, do we have pets that are giving us love when some people have nothing? Um, and that's not a comparison game. It's for us to say individually within our perspective, what can we still find to see gratitude in? And that really does help shift our mindset. So those are some of the things that I recommend to the audience to try and help with. Yeah, those are those are really powerful recommendations. And, you know, as for the gratuity journal, that's part of my daily routine. And, you know, the daily routine really does help just keep a rhythm. And I think I talked about it a little bit in a previous episode, but our bodies do really crave that rhythm. And there's not much that we can control outside of ourselves right now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things are changing. So we really just take the time to kind of see, okay, what can I control right now? And really the only things that you can control are, are what you do throughout the day, what you eat, um, how you can't control how you feel, but how you react to how you're feeling. Uh, so having that rhythm and waking up at the same time and keeping a gratuity journal and saying the affirmations, mm -hmm. even filling your time with, you know, on YouTube, there's hours of I am affirmations and they're mm -hmm. powerful. And you could just kind of put that on in the background to help change your mindset just a little bit, you know, deal with any trauma that we might be facing right now. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners? No, I just, I just want to say to everybody, you know, that I, you know, I hope that they're all giving themselves permission to go through whatever cycle and suffering that they're in right now. And the adjustment, this is real. And, um, you know, one of the things that I do want to leave off with is even for people who are working in the mental health field, we too are struggling. So I always say strip ourselves of our credentials and the titles and all that stuff. You know, that's part of the collective 
human response to the traumatic, you know, event that's happening is that we're all struggling with it. So I hope that people give themselves permission. I hope that this was helpful for anybody who's like, gosh, yeah, why am I having like these sudden aches or I can't eat or I can't. Yeah. These are symptoms and responses to trauma. And this is what people are experiencing. So I just want to say thank you so much for providing the platform. I think this is so important and it's just, um, I hope that this also generates more discussion about, like I said, about, you know, trauma-informed practices and principles and approaches that are, are going to be necessary after this, but it's necessary now. Thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to do this and, you know, provide our listeners with some awesome information and things that they can do right now to kind of help themselves through this time. Uh, so to anybody who might be struggling right now, it's okay. You know, we're, we're all in this together, no matter what level of struggle you're on, we're all, we're all going through it together. So, you know, just be real at the end of the day and, you know, try to make some connections and call up a friend, just be real with yourself and let yourself feel it and uh, we'll get through it. Grace, thank you so much. And thank you uh, for having me. Yeah. Everybody, we will see you on the next episode of the mighty mindset. Mm-hmm.